Hello and welcome to the A Bit About podcast. The podcast aims to tell you a little bit about someone interesting and my interesting person today is Juan Carlos, and I can never pronounce your name correctly. Is it Baniel or Bagnell? How do I pronounce your last name, sir? You are giving it a far more exotic um, <laughs> trill than I think it really deserves. Uh, my last name is Bagnell. It's a very Americanized uh, sort of Irish descent last name. But I, I love hearing other people from other regions try and give it something just a little bit more, you know, exotic, something a little sexier. Um, no, that's unfortunately not <laughs> what my name really sounds like. <laughs> that's a cool name, though. I've never, literally never heard of it before. So it's, uh, it's unique to you in my mind. It's it's a good it's a good combo. We've got sort of the the Spanish heritage, and then my dad's family is Irish German, and kind of staple them all together. And like, yeah, yeah, it's it it's unlike anything else, um, which is pretty great. It's a unique combination for sure. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I know you as being the legendary like phone reviewer in the space, not just phone reviewer, but everything reviewer <laughs> and and analyst and deep diver. Um, but for those who have maybe not heard your name or have heard of you and just not sure what you're doing at the moment, do you mind giving a brief summary? Uh, sure. I, the, the, the really TLDR is uh, I come from a family of engineers. I tried to study theater production and performance in college. Immediately out of college, I worked for a Department of Energy uh, supplier. Uh, we did JIT uh, solutions for a DOE facility. Then I moved to Hollywood and I spent uh, quite a number of years as a voiceover talent agency assistant and then a voiceover casting director and then sort of stumbled my way into talking about um, recording equipment and then consumer electronics. And for the last couple of years, I've been focused more specifically on mobility, audio and tech politics. Damn, that's uh, maybe the most concise one we've had so far. But yeah, no, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely ra wraps up and represents who you are from my point of view, at least. Um, uh, it's, I that's thirty years of, of, of life summed all up in, in like a couple seconds. ten seconds. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, so, so basically, how I know you is, or I know of you, is that um, you do deep dives into. Uh, technology, consumer electronics, as you mentioned earlier, but mostly the mobile space. And you pick apart things in a way that most reviewers, uh, and it's hard, it's kind of, it kind of feels like a bit dirty to like call you a reviewer because you do things in a different <laughs> way to the, the average reviewer, right? You're more of an analyst and you, you pick apart things in a, a deeper well, way than most people I, do, I, really, I would say. I really appreciate that. I, I feel like there's this little pocket community of nerds, like, I was in the sixth grade uh, in the early 90s and like I, I had a TI pocket organizer and it had a QWERTY keyboard on it and it had like kilobytes of storage and I was walking around the school getting made fun of but putting my best friend's contact information in this little portable pocketable Rolodex and, and I feel like there's a, a group of people my age and younger that have have really latched onto mobile and are excited to see like how far we can push things. It's just we're a little harder to find if you're just taking sort of the surface level recommendations from the YouTube algorithm. But th there's a really good collection of geeks out there that that I, I kind of feel kind of fit this mold. I'm, I'm trying to do it justice when I look at, you know, SOC fabrication and, and benchmarking beyond just a Geekbench score and performance testing and comparisons. And I'm always really grateful to find those other nerds at the the nerdy table in the cafeteria, because those are the kinds of conversations that, that get me really lit up. And, and I'm always excited to find more people that kind of kind of geek out the same way. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree because you, you have like, I think I can't remember who I was speaking to about this, maybe Martin from Tech Alter where he does a lot of the market analysis stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's essentially like, um, like Marquez figured out his formula for a review like 10 years ago, and it hasn't mm -hmm. really changed. Like obviously the, the production quality, his hosting, everything has become better, but 
his formula has stayed roughly the same and that's what most phone reviews seem to be like um which is fine because it gives you a very base level like understanding of how good something is um from mm-hmm. the perspective of a standard like tech uh, viewer content viewer now if you're coming mm-hmm. in from outside of the space maybe it's a bit harder to understand because they'll mention things like high refresh rate like what's high refresh rate um uh, and maybe if you're coming from the opposite end of the scale and you know all about this stuff it can seem a little bland a little boring or maybe doesn't yeah. have quite the depth that you want so having uh channels that I mean, I've seen channels that go much simpler, which is great. I think they're underrated. Not a lot of people do that, where you just kind of give a very, very base level analysis um, and explain the the sort of uh, the jargon that goes along with that. And it just makes for easier viewing for people who had, basically their contract's just about to run out and they want to buy something new, but they don't know what right. they're looking at. Um, but yeah, like I said, at the other end of the spectrum, it's nice to have deeper dives because those of us that have been in the space for a while, not necessarily getting bored of content that's just the the plain reviews because they you know they have their place, but it just for gives sure. you something to sink your teeth into and to get really, I guess, nerdy about. It, 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 for lack of a better term, just to get really, no, I, I, you know, sucked I, I into it. it. I, I don't know that that's a lacking term. I actually kind of feel like that is the appropriate term. And, you know, just like we can always reclaim uh, some kind of uh, besmirching comment, you know, like this, this is a word nerd and geek that are often meant to diminish certain populations of nerds and geeks. But if we sort of use it for ourselves, then that's kind of fine. I, 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 uh, I can't always speak to other channels and to other people's motivations or why they enjoy the content creation game because it's it's a business and it's a hobby for me. Um, but, but more than anything else, uh, for me, it's, do I feel like I'm still learning things and it might be something really, really small, but there's that joy or there's that moment or there's that, there's that click, there's that snap when I kind of feel my brain attach two new pieces of information in a really novel way. And those are the people that I try to make my videos for. I'm not particularly concerned, concerned with this, uh, lowest common denominator, you know, does only the most basic things with the phone idea of an average consumer, because I'm not entirely sure that person exists. And if that person exists, they're not really watching YouTube videos much to guide their purchasing decision. They're, they're probably buying a product first, and then maybe there's some passive interest in seeing like what other people said about it. Maybe they watch a video, probably not but their main interactions are through retailers or carriers or some type of uh, other resource for getting some kind of phone information. They walk into a building, the first phone at the kiosk is something they've seen before, so they buy that. They're not coming to me, so I don't feel any burning need to address their specific concerns in my videos. And instead, I'd rather try and find those people who are like, man, I learned something new about ARM Cortex X3 cores today, and that didn't do anything to really change my quality of life, but I feel better now understanding what's going on in my magic pocket supercomputer. And that's the kind of person that I really hope to engage with. It goes beyond that kind of armchair quarterbacking or that I read the specs on GSM Arena, so now I know how gooder or badder this phone is. But it's someone who's really interested in trying to dig just that little bit deeper to say like, hey, there are pros and cons and there are better fits for different needs. And maybe that'll help that person, that nerd, that geek, make a better purchasing recommendation for someone else in their family. And increasingly where I'm coming from is trying to tell those nerds, hey, get your family and friends on cheaper gear. And I think they're really going to appreciate you helping them save money. And it's really not going to affect their quality of life for how they might be using the communications tools, the camera tools, the entertainment tools. That probably won't change for them. But man, it feels good when you can get all that stuff done at half the price. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I get that. Something that I sort of just latched onto there where you said uh, about the the people who do, I think the phrase uses armchair quarterbacks, like the ones who go on mm-hmm. GSM Arena or whatever, see the spec, and then that's their like, you know, air that's the only thing they can dive. fixate on. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and those yeah. people are right. You know, they have one goal 
you know, for, for example, I always like to point to the community of people that get really lit up about these flagship killer phones. They are happy to sacrifice every other part of the phone experience to get the fastest SOC that they can at the lowest possible price. Um, when my grandfather was a kid, it was about taking a scrap metal beater car and putting the biggest engine they could afford into the lightest possible frame and gutting the back seat so they could go drag racing on a Saturday night. Like, I totally appreciate that. I, I think that's a necessary part of our community, but I also feel that sometimes those voices get amplified above some of the other conversations that we could be having. And sometimes that turns a little toxic. You know, people like that um, can get a little aggressively confrontational about their worldview and they kind of have blinders on to everybody else's needs. Like there's like no tech empathy from a person like that <laughs> looking at the rest of the market and thinking, oh, well maybe that person really needs the cheapest phone they can get with a stylus. Or that person is looking for the absolute best possible quality camera they can get. Or that person, you know, really is trying to deal with like uh, mechanical accessibility concerns and has issues holding a phone. So they need to look at something else. You know, like you don't get that kind of nuance when you're only looking at what's the biggest possible Antutu 2 score that I can get for the <laughs> lowest possible price. And I don't really feel like, again, kind of in the opposite direction. I don't need to make a video for that person because they can go and look up Antutu 2 scores. They don't need me to read a website for them. So I'm not gonna waste my time trying to be their internet browser for them. Um, there are other things that I'd rather try to accomplish. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you hit the nail on the head there. It's something that um, I've spoken about in like Discord communities and and to friends and family a lot about these these people who just they they want the the most performance possible and mm -hmm. can't see that actually in some not all the time but sometimes a good UI or a good skin or efficiency can make up for oh, you yeah. know a slight loss in overall horsepower because it just feels smoother so you just don't notice totally. that it's it's a little bit slower and, um, and, and look at how exciting that conversation has been over the last year i mean we started 2022 with some i think some real practical concerns on the state of the high end um you know products that were genuinely incredibly powerful, but maybe not as efficient as they should have been for a pocket computer that runs off of a smaller battery. And it took us a, a, a little while to kind of sort through some of those concerns. And at the same time, we had mid-ranger solutions that have never been better. You know, so the price performance ratio was sliding, or I should say the price performance per watt <laughs> solution yeah, was sliding yeah, yeah. way more into these exciting three to $500 phones um, especially internationally. This is something that we here in the United States don't get quite as much variety to play with and it makes me really sad. Um, but you know, if you tried to open up that conversation, you'd say, well, this is this. And you know, you could get like a, this $300 Xiaomi or Redmi or Poco or one of the Aikus or something like that. And I, I think that's incredibly exciting. You know, I think that's, that's a really fun way to look at the market, but then someone would always come in with some kind of like, deal breaker nagging point well but then you don't get this camera and you're like well yeah but that's not the point of what this phone's trying to do or the flip side oh but you know faster charging over here or this phone doesn't have wireless charging and you're like yeah but it's 300 so yeah how precious yeah, yeah. of a concern is that really and it's really hard keeping that perspective with so many different motivations you know everyone's kind of coming in to get their one main spec their one critical feature handled and anything else is going to be kind of garbage, but then they're sort of polluting the comment section on other devices that don't do that. And you're like, why would you be in the comment section on a video of a phone that you already know you're not going to like because it doesn't do what you want it to do? You're, you're basically just trying to yuck someone else's yum. And, you know, it's not a good look. You, don't be that guy. <laughs> go have fun and go do what you like, but don't don't try and like preach to others that don't share your same needs and wants. Yep, anonymity is incredibly powerful, as they say. Um, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, um, I, I know, I, out of out of that, after hearing you speak so passionately about that, I got to ask you, put you on the spot. What is your favorite sure. mobile device of this year? 
so far. Oh, sorry, last oh, year because we're uh, oh last year. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's so tough. Um, see, I, I I'm that insufferable wonk where like you try to ask me what my favorite movie is. I'll, I'll weasel out and say, well, I don't really have a favorite movie, but like different <laughs> right. genres. And then you'll say, yeah, well, okay, yeah. well, what's your favorite horror film? Be like, oh, well, okay, well, that's different because there's like horror suspense and body horror and sci-fi horror and like slasher films and, and like, you know, sort of the Japanese cinema era. But we can't forget yeah. like, yeah. you know, some of the cinema verite that came out of France that was really kind of uh, disruptive and subversive. And I keep just further compartmentalizing all the way down the list. Um there were three phones that for a premium tier junkie like myself, I felt there were three phones that were the most critically important phones of 2022. And they were the phones that I used the most often. And that was, especially you have to keep in mind, I am an online content creator. I, I appreciate having sort of the most aggressive, streamlined mobile production capabilities that I can. And that's why the SIM card stayed in these three phones, actually only in two of these phones the most, but um, the Xiaomi 12S Ultra ushered in an entirely new generation of larger sensor pocket photography in a way that should be significantly more disruptive than it's already been. And it's so sad to me that in the United States, we're probably not gonna get a phone with the sensor um, in, 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 if in the first half of this year, maybe even all year, depending on what manufacturers play, um, then the pixel seven pro is one of the all time best communicator ideas of a smartphone that I've ever played with. And then because I'm an old school nerd, um, I keep putting my SIM card back into the Xperia one Mark four for having huge storage access to a memory card, um, a headphone jack. And, and just really phenomenal video recording capabilities. So I just keep kind of dancing between those three. They have very specific, they fulfill very specific roles. And I don't know that I'd ever be able to just perfectly land on one. Even if I weren't a tech reviewer, I probably would be that guy who would be buying two or three phones a year, you know, kind of trading them and cycling them and doing that anyway. Um, but those three for me were kind of the most critically important demonstrating some some things that I, I don't think we've seen other competitors really play at. Okay, very interesting picks there. Um, the, the, the Sony one speaks out to me because I've been looking at Sony <laughs> devices recently. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's the, a very the, unique kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, the micro SD card and the headphone port, you know, maybe uh, six or seven years ago, you're thinking, oh, they're starting to be phased out. And now that's the mm -hmm. one phone that has, well, at least in the West, that is the one phone that really, yeah. you know, does everything well, plus has those uh, items, those features. Um, yeah, the Sony looks so good, but the issue that I've had with Sony's in the past is the software. It just doesn't feel, um, how do I put it? It doesn't, it doesn't feel wrapped up and sealed. It doesn't feel complete in a way. Um, it mm -hmm. almost feels a bit like rushed a little bit. Uh, it, it, you know, with Samsung's one UI, you look at that and you go, that that's a complete skin. Um, and I say yeah. the same for Google's um, Pixel experience, fantastic skin. Um, but with some of the others, I think Motorola, namely, and Sony, they just don't Moto feel and Sony, enough. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, you, I don't know what I would say is Motorola's excuse. Um, Sony is, for better or for worse, still an extremely arrogant brand. Like, think of every single product that Sony makes. It is the best product that has ever been made in the history of that product line. If you're talking consoles or cameras or the Sony Walkman, Sony engineers know more than you. So you will, you will use what they have determined is the best way to make this product segment. Now, I feel there's been this really glorious Xperia renaissance as the Xperia team has been working more closely with the Alpha team. So the, the people most responsible for some of the really exciting work being done with uh, mirrorless uh, cameras, photography, video, uh, you know, like up into cinema grade cameras. And 
I think the phone is a means to an end. So there's kind of two parts to an Xperia. There's a very basic, whatever Google is going to supply as Android, AOSP, stock, I mean, it's the most stock you can get. There is very, very little customization or fine tuning or trying to create a unique user experience. I don't believe Sony engineers care in the slightest. What they have got is an operating system that's functional for them to put on their own services, their own photography, now their own music and recording apps, um, and their ability to turn a phone into a, a, a display, a monitor, and a broadcast solution for their cameras. They care about having 5G radios, tons of storage, um, better displays, now thankfully brighter and higher resolution displays, so that they can plug one cable into the phone and one cable into a Sony A-series, and then the A-series will send video to the phone, which then acts like a broadcast modem so that you can live stream from a Sony camera. Like, that's it. The rest of the phone is, yeah, it's there, and you can put apps on it, and they do some really cool gaming stuff, but they're, they're not spending any significant amount of time or resources or energy on trying to craft a more meaningful or a more helpful user experience. It, it is like, th there's this hard split. When you see Sony software in action, it is phenomenal. It is fantastic. But they're not spending any of the time to make Android better. They're only doing that in their own apps and services. And so it's this hard, like you're in the middle of using their recording app and it's like a really pretty audio recording app. It can go server side for all of this like noise reduction and splitting tracks. It's brilliant for like singer songwriter work. And then the second you leave that app, you crash immediately into like the most basic ASP Android. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. so, because it, 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 like the way that you put it, 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 it doesn't even feel stapled together. It feels kind of scotch taped together yeah <laughs> like for sure, you, for sure. you took this brilliant um content creating computer and you slapped it to kind of a regular android device and that's what the end result is but i keep coming back and i keep putting my sim card back in this phone because the hardware is so unique those apps really are brilliant especially if you think of all cameras as just being cameras if you don't divide smartphone camera versus point and shoot camera versus bridge camera versus DSLR versus mirrorless versus cinema. If you just think light gathering optics, Sony's cameras are, so Sony's camera apps are phenomenal and I love them. Um, and then it's just those other feature capabilities. Like it's just so refreshing to be able to plug in a cable pair of earbuds and not have to worry about charging something else or, you know, like keeping a little case in my pocket because, you know, we're boys, so we've got jeans and like three functional pockets and I've got to put a wallet and keys and two phones, you know, in those pockets yeah, and be on yeah, the yeah. go. It, it's, it's just like that, that just unfortunately is refreshing. It shouldn't be, but it is. And so now I, I, I kind of keep falling back on the Xperia 1. By all, all intents and purposes, what you're saying, like, you know, the new OnePlus skin is gorgeously animated. It's way prettier. It's way more fluid. The Pixel 7 Pro is a nicer phone. Like anyone who would pick up a Pixel 7 Pro and an Xperia 1 Mark IV, that surface level Android experience is just demonstrably better on the Pixel. But I keep coming back to the Xperia for those very practical and functional concerns I, I, with with your criticisms are spot on. I really wish Sony could give us just a little bit more polish, just a little bit more of the pretty stuff, but it really doesn't seem to be high on their list of uh, product concerns. Yeah, unfortunately, that um, productivity and that functionality that, you know, it's a rare trait, unfortunately, that we see in smartphones mm -hmm. these days. Those things you kind of have to go to Sony for. Um, you know, they do it really well, like you said. They they pretty much nailed it. Um, it's annoying that only one, maybe two brands in the space actually seem to care about any kind of um, you know, practical approach to mobility compared to just throwing something together that looks really pretty. Um, I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, other smartphones aren't really useful, but Sony just seems to put the stuff that I want in, in the smartphone. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, just right at the last minute, just chucks AOSP on it. 
Uh, it feels yeah, like I'm, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> it feels like I'm roming uh, an LG phone like from it know, totally 10, does. 15 years ago, and I've just stuck. <laughs> I've stuck like a base Android on. I've got my Google apps on there, and then I've just put a really nice, uh, really nice camera app on. But everything else For seems sure. to be like just completely just chucked on there, which is a shame. But know. also, I, I really the, like the look of the Sony hardware. It, it just looks oh yeah quite unique. It just looks really um sleek in a way, you know. I, I even back in the sort of the older like X and X performance and Z days, there was always something really hard edged. Again, mm. it's a Sony engineer kind of trait. This is what we're designing. This is what we think our ideal identifiable product should look like. And again, like Sony knows better than everybody else, right? So uh, now it's especially getting into the to the one series. And I, I'm gl I was glad to see a similar redesign for the five series. Um, it, it is just this stark monolith of a phone and it doesn't look or feel or handle like anything else. Uh, they, they have not fallen for some of the same gimmicks like punching holes in their screen just so that you can have a mediocre webcam with less bezel like they still have a forehead and a chin so that they can put in speakers and microphones and not have anything disrupt the screen. They haven't messed around with curved displays on this generation of phone. Like everything is, is kind of counter to the sort of prevailing trends of other premium Android phones. And when we play with some of these other options, like I love my pixel seven pro despite the hole punch in the screen and the curved sides for the display. It's a brilliant phone. I think it's an awesome phone and it's I think it's priced very well and it's a very competitive phone, but I don't like those hardware traits and I wish we had a few more players who were willing to kind of define their own vibe even down to the sort of just tactile operation of uh of, of how the phone is used. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um it's it's the uniqueness that we don't i mean the practicality also but the uniqueness we don't see and sony's just pushing the boat out just doing what it wants um and i don't know what their sales are like but i i mean it's captured the attention of people that i know and should i buy the yeah. sony because that they, they went through a phase <laughs> um where they yeah. were just like really not a good option um but they're looking better and better and hopefully they're oh, yeah. capturing more uh you know, capturing more of the market. I'm not sure if that's yeah. true. I haven't really looked into it, but yeah, we'll see. I, I don't think that's their goal. This this sounds so funny because like what we're used to talking about in tech YouTube is the most popular, mm. right? The foregone yep. conclusion phones are the ones that get the most clicks on, on YouTube. And the ones that get the most clicks are the phones that are most already purchased. Not the phones people are most interested in purchasing, but the phones that most people already own. So especially in North America, that's Samsung and Apple. Um, it, it's, it's funny, but there's just, you don't, you never get like a clear confirmation on this. So I am just totally speculating. Um, and I have done a little work with Sony PR. I, I've done some consulting with Sony PR, but you know, I've never gotten any grand insight into how Sony Japan operates. But you kind of get the sense that they want an uncompromising vision of a premium tier product that has a healthy margin that the, the division can profit off of. And they really don't have the same urgency in trying to capture dramatically larger slices of the smartphone market. They are looking at the phone as a potential premium accessory to their camera division. And so... All they need to see is that their phone division is profitable. If it's profitable and growing, that's even better. If it's profitable and maintaining, well, it's still profitable. So they can still make money off of that division. And, and for the Xperia 1 line, there were two years where it was like just breaking even and shrinking. So they were selling fewer phones, but they weren't tacking as many losses. Like they didn't fall into the LG trap where LG could sell a humongous number of phones, but their phone division was always operating in the red and losing money year over year over year. So Sony, I, I, I'd be curious over this last year because I think Sony probably got bit a little bit like Motorola and OnePlus and Samsung 
the premium tier of the market for Android was really hurt at the beginning of the year by Samsung's version of the 8 Gen 1. Um, just because, again, if you're an enthusiast and you care about performance and you're going to spend $1,000 or more on a phone, you know, last year was kind of a rough year for that kind of enthusiast uh, purchasing. Um I don't know if last year, but I know in years previous, like with the Xperia 1 Mark III and the Xperia 1 Mark II, the Sony division was was profitable. The Sony division was growing at a small but kind of healthy rate. It was making money. And I would hope that that's still a trend that, that at least is maintaining because it, it is such a unique flavor. It's such a unique feel. Like I, I need one good boutique niche content creation focused device like that to continue existing. It's never going to be like a broad recommendation. Like, you know, I don't recommend my almost 90 year old grandmother go out and buy a $3,000 gaming laptop. That is not the right fit for her <laughs> needs. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and likewise, if someone's perfect phone is going to be something like a Pixel 5a, it would be grossly irresponsible of me to go like, yeah, but an Xperia 1 Mark IV is more powerful and has better cameras. Like, that's not that's not helpful. Like, that that doesn't contribute to someone making a better purchasing decision. I need there to be a couple really expensive phones that cater to a higher idea of pocket computer use and, you know, Xiaomi is giving us some little flavors of that. BBK is giving us some little flavors of that. The Vivos have been rocking my socks. And Sony. And Sony has stuck around to say, hey, we have an idea of what this, this niche of the market should look like. And we're kind of putting all of our best tech into this one device. And you're going to pay for it. It's going to be expensive. But literally no other phone can do what we can do. Yeah, uh, that's a lot to unpack. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It, having its own unique part of the market is important, even if it's not capturing lots. What I was meaning to say um, before is that I hope that they're capturing enough that it's profitable and sustainable. Oh, yeah. Um, because yeah, we've seen, sure. you know, at times it looks like Sony's not sustainable in their mobile division and it looked bad, but... They, you know, it, because it, it's such a huge company, it was able to just like move out on from kind of that. And, it, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, create the, better things. It, at least the 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 positive news, from what I understand, looking at Sony's financials, and you know, again, a, every year I kind of find something else that I like to sort of dig into a little deeper and nerd out on. But you know, these companies have to do a good job of reporting. It, it was somewhere around the ex, the the announcement of the Xperia Five Mark II where I started seeing a whole bunch of these videos talking about, well, and Sony, and they're not selling as much, and do we even know if anyone's buying a Sony? And you're like, you know what? Actually, that's a real bad look for tech YouTubers. Because there is an answer. Like, you can ask Sony if they're making more money in their mobile division. They're not probably going to just give you every single sales sheet with every specific unit ever sold, but they have to report to their shareholders what's going yeah, on yeah, with the yeah. financials of their company. And it was from the Xperia 5 Mark II that I started digging into almost every other brand. I mean, like we've seen some really catastrophic sales drops from Samsung over this period of time from the S10 to the, uh, to the S22. And Sony hasn't exploded, but they've been maintaining and their division has been getting more profitable. It's not huge by any stretch of the imagination and they're certainly not selling in quantity like any of the xiaomi or bbk sub brands are, are selling they barely register as like a fraction of a percentage of the global smartphone market but they're not where they were before the xperia one mark one where i think it was the it was the x performance line where the division was just hemorrhaging cash and there were some concerns, like Sony might be giving up on their smartphone division. This reorganization of Xperia under the Alpha team seems to have helped uh, uh, steer the ship in a better direction. I think last year was probably a rough year for every other company outside of Apple because of 
some of those performance issues, thermal throttling, battery life concerns, all of those things that like kind of weigh on the geeks. You know, we were kind of crawling our way out of a global pandemic. The The economy is not doing great. Consumers are not increasingly looking to spend $1,000 on an Android. Just the emotional value isn't there where you can spend $900 on an iPhone and feel real good about it. And other people kind of pat you on the back for having spent a lot on a phone. That's not a thing for Android users in the same degree. There isn't a high cachet crown jewel Android phone that people go, oh, oh, he bought the pro. He must have money. You know, like that doesn't exist. So it's a bit more of a product meritocracy. I would imagine that Moto, Sony, OnePlus, they probably had real rough years above $400 last year. Um, the sales numbers, I think just across the board kind of show an average Android phone price of like 350. Um, whereas iPhones kind of have an average sales price of around 800. So that's good because you can get an amazing phone for around $400, but it's bad if you're a nerd like me and you want a $1,200 phone that can really rock my socks and allow me to leave a $2,000 laptop and $3,000 worth of camera equipment at home, I'm not going to get as many of those options because, you know, they're, they're not making as, as much money right now. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Uh, it's, um, you, we briefly spoke, well, you briefly mentioned the iPhones and Apple sales. Um, mm-hmm. I wondered if, if you had much time with the 14 series at all, because I bought a 14 Pro when it came out, and it's mm-hmm. been the weakest iPhone, I would say, in terms of just bugs and issues. It doesn't feel like the iPhone that people, like, you know, the iPhone became a staple for being very um, predictable, uh, very... Yeah easy to use in a sense because of that predictability and stable uh, and it's just kind of none of those at the moment uh, it just doesn't the the 14 pro and i've seen lots of people talk about this on twitter and on instagram and on mm-hmm. reddit it just isn't what they you know like the, the 13 pro was great so the 14 pro should be better but if anything the 14 pro is worse um and it's making me seriously consider going pixel um, when I next buy a phone, whenever that may be, I can't just go out and switch right now. I haven't got like, you know, 700 pounds to go and spend on a, on a phone, <laughs> right. but, um, if, no, that's you know, probably if, better for you too, though. It's, it's really for not, sure. again, I, 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 I get into some fun, like sort of mock debates with some of the other, um, reviewers out there. And yeah. it's the one thing I kind of keep telling people who are up and coming, you know, like I turned a part of my office into a phone museum. Like there are all these phones that I have these emotional attachments to that I feel are important historically. They're not worth anything because they're just old Mm. used gadgets. So don't, don't become a phone collector. It's real bad for you. And now I've got like ancient phones that I'm actually worried about the battery health, a, a whole list of old Samsungs that are basically like incendiary devices now. Like, you know, so don't do that. Um, My experiences with Apple have been a little bit more private and contained because I made a public declaration on my channel that I was not going to publicly review or analyze or promote Apple products until we saw a clear walking away from their strategy of on-device content scanning, which I felt was hugely problematic. It was a potential for uh, abuse from authoritarian governments. It it, um, opens up so many cans of worms for privacy and security. And it's really, I feel it was a move that would have really run afoul of Apple's marketing. Like I felt it was a really hypocritical move to, hey, yeah, we're going to scan all this content on your device if you're using these services. Um, But we also really care about your privacy, but we're also going to report hash data um, to local governments. And like, I I have a major philosophical problem with that. So I've played with the 13 and the 13 Pro. I've played with the 14 and the 14 Pro, but I'm kind of three years out of date for really using one as a practical daily driver. You know, like you you need that lived in experience to kind of comment more um, knowledgeably you know, with, yeah, with any yeah. kind of, uh, um, 
uh, I can't, I can't think of the word I want to use there, but you know what I mean. And, um, so my, my knowledge on what's going on is a little bit more secondhand, but I've also been really trying to keep a tab on the, the Silicon guys. So if you're following channels like Gary explains, which that man deserves another zero at the end of his subscribers list. Cause his videos are real proper explainers. Like you go to YouTube and you see someone has an explains in their video and it's like, Bluetooth explained. You turn on your Bluetooth and then you can connect to other Bluetooths. And you're like, that, that wasn't an explain. That, that yeah, didn't help yeah, anybody. Yeah. But when Gary explains, he really explains things that are worth explaining. <laughs> um, and then also uh, Tech Tech Potato, similar situation. Like you will not find a more knowledgeable um, public face, you know, like entertaining and uh, just personable. Um, content creator for the silicon industry than Dr. Ian Cutris, IMO. Um, so in, in following what those two guys have been outlining, I feel with very little data to properly back this up, this is Juan's emotional reaction to this, not Juan's learned, knowledgeable reaction to this. Apple is really good when they've got kind of one key focus or direction that they're looking to prioritize the resources of the company. And I think over the last two years, that's been their silicon for laptops and the Mac minis. The M1 and the M2 are absolutely phenomenal pieces of technology. I wish I could get those chips into other products that weren't as tightly locked down as the way that Apple makes their products, but I feel that kind of singular focus for for refreshing the iPad and the MacBook lines, that that kind of watered down some of the expertise that was going into the iPhone 14. The iPhone 13 feels like the last sort of TikTok bump, you know, like you get kind of a new fabrication process and then you get sort of a refinement of that. But Everything that I've seen, like Geeker One, uh, Golden Reviewer, Gary Explains, uh, Tech Tech Potato, you start looking at the changes to the A series silicon, and the A the the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max perform about the same as the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max, only their thermal performance is worse, and you're like we've sort of taken our eyes off the ball here. This has allowed Qualcomm and MediaTek to catch up to Apple Silicon in a really big way. From the 8 Plus Gen 1 to the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 and the Dimensity 9200, we now are talking about performance per watt, which is right on top of Apple's best, but Apple's best is technically in the iPhone 13 Pro. The best gaming performance, the best sustained performance, the best thermal performance, it's not on their newest phone. And it seems like they totally missed their goals for improving GPU compute and for improving some of their AI capabilities. And I, I really do believe that the, the improvements that we've seen and the, just the radical change um, that we've seen in their laptop and tablets came at the expense of keeping the iPhones sort of years ahead of their competition. I, I feel like you can still say, sort of make a, uh, an argument for CPU performance efficiency. I think an iPhone is still going to win that. But just kind of in a daily practical use, I, I don't feel like there's any significant difference now between an iPhone 14 Pro and any of the myriad number of nicer Android phones that are going to run an HN2. And most of those Android phones are going to be a lot cheaper. You know, like I'm playing with an iQ11 that kind of embarrasses the iPhone 14, and it's like $200 less. So that that is sort of my from a distant feeling on kind of what's happening with Apple right now. I feel like they get to coast on marketing. They, they sort of coast on the goodwill of their customer base because they know a significant portion of them aren't going to bother to look at these differences. And then they try to roll out these new features, but iOS really isn't a very flexible operating system platform to staple new features on. So then that creates more problems and more bugs, and then it takes another generation of those to get fixed. And you get updates on iPhones, but you don't always get all of the same feature complete sort of software as your phone starts to get older. So it, it, it's 
It's messy and it's tangled and it's complicated, but I, I think from a distance, we can kind of point to a few trends where we've seen a couple people leave their silicon divisions. We've seen a couple people and a couple engineers shift positions and shift roles to focus resources in different places. And I feel like Apple is confident enough that the iPhone's going to sell well regardless that it's okay. You know, the iPhone 12 was kind of a garbage first version of an iPhone to include 5G. It was so bad, we had carriers telling their customers, just turn 5G off on your iPhone if you want the battery to last the day. Then the iPhone 13 fixed that with the magical evolution of putting in a larger battery that we'd all been asking for for years. Like, imagine Apple silicon efficiency with a 20% larger battery. Oh, we can't do that because reasons. Oh, but we totally did that going from the iPhone 12 to the iPhone 13. <laughs> you know? So like the iPhone 14, unfortunately, I think just kind of fell into that trap. You know, you're not and not every single year is going to be the perfect radical, you know, year to year improvement, 10 percent this, 15 percent that more power, more faster, better this. The iPhone 14, I think, kind of slipped into that slot of just keep it in a holding pattern don't make it demonstrably worse than its predecessor and we can float it for this year and we'll figure out what to do for the iPhone 15 to make that look a little bit better for the, uh, so for, especially for some of the more uh, enthusiast uh, users, some of the more, uh, the higher performance customers uh, in their portfolio. I feel like you've uh, just wrapped up like an hour's worth of, uh, an hour's worth of, research and documentation <laughs> down into like five minutes there. I don't think anyone well, on YouTube has put that. Well. I can't claim credit on that at all. Like I said, I'm, I, I need people to catch those other people. You'll get they're, they're nerds like me, but I feel like my expertise is a little bit more audio and uh, camera performance. But, you know, Gary explains Geeker one. Uh, I'm, I'm missing someone and it's driving me crazy. Um, but you know, there are four or five channels that I kind of keep up with because they do a really good job of consistently testing similar uh, types of performance. And they, they kind of chart this stuff in a way that, you know, if you were totally casual and you didn't really care about the silicon industry, it would all be, you know, cling on if you were trying to read through this stuff. But once you dig in just a little bit more beyond, I, I looked up the Geekbench score. Um, this stuff is fascinating. It really is interesting to see because the new sexy, I think, moving forward is not fastest performance. I think the new sexy is going to be performance per watt. Can I kind of maintain similar performance but come in with significantly less power draw and find different interesting CPU and GPU core configurations that enable new services and new features but keep this phone running all day long? That, to me, is really going to move the needle on the consumer experience because... Right now, I don't care. I don't care if I get 10% more CPU power, but my phone dies after lunch. <laughs> you know, like I can't use sure, it yeah, if it's yeah. dead. So that 10% CPU power is literally off. So now I've gone from 10% more performance to 0% more performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. Uh, no, I, I, um, I had the pleasure of working with Gary and he's a really thorough, like proper guy. So it, it doesn't surprise me that it, his content comes out like that as well um really really cool guy and uh and i've i believe i met ian in person once at a briefing uh for a phone mm -hmm. or something um but that guy is on a different level you know he's on a different plane of existence from me oh. i feel i feel like i'm in like the you know as you would say the second grade uh when it when compared <laughs> to that guy it's just yeah Guy's a genius. So um, I, I feel like that's kind of the right combo, though. Like you watch a couple Gary Explains videos and he's uh, he's such just a he's such a good educator and he kind of yes, gets yeah. you up to speed. And then you can kind of start digging into some of the more advanced stuff on Tech Tech Potato. And and again, Dr. Ian Cutris, I believe, is also a phenomenal um, presenter, uh, educator like he, he really is good at taking a more global or broader view of this industry and kind of boiling down parts of it so that you get a very clear idea of what a specific might be. But you do sort of need just a little bit of the vernacular before you go jumping into his channel because he kind of just goes to where the industry is. He's not setting up, you know, like, well, 20 years ago, we had 
this type of, you know, CPU architecture race. And then AMD had this bulldozer and that was crap. And then we went to chiplets and then you have to gun, like, he's not going to spell all that out for you. He's not going to roadmap the history of what you need to learn to get up to speed. But once you, you, you dabble just a bit, it's some really insightful commentary. So that, that is, again, I'm sort of ingesting like what you were saying, there's definitely something in the Apple communities where I feel there's a little anxiousness or a little frustration with some of Apple's recent business decisions. The products are still doing great. The company's making more money than it ever has in the history of telecommunications. But there are these little hints. And if we don't stay on top of a company that bills itself as a market leader, then we end up with poorer consumer experiences. And we don't want anyone to kind of get saddled with a device that is the wrong fit for their needs. I think that's the worst feeling in the world, is if you put yourself out there and say, I think you'd really like this, and then they try it and you're like, oh man, why did you tell me about that? That thing was garbage. <laughs> like, oh, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad on two fronts. I didn't know what I thought I knew and I just put this person through a poorer experience. I, I kind of feel like all of these kinds of conversations and the sort of global view of the, the semiconductor industry all kind of just get poured into my skull and I've got some strong feelings about it, but I can't claim that that's really what the situation is. I just say from the outside looking in, we're probably never going to get a straight answer from Apple. So it's all just going to be speculation anyway. Yeah, beautifully put, I must say. Um, look, one, it's uh, it's it's 50 minutes this recording, right? <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> if I ask you any more like serious questions, I do have uh, a couple of questions I, I do want to finish. I got a little there. time. Do you want to try and I'll, I'll shut up and speed round if you want to try and keep it so, a so, little simpler. We can do that. So, yeah, well, I try and keep it around an hour. Um, I'm very conscious of time at the moment because it is three in the morning here. Um, but I, I just want to ask oh, you a couple right. of things. One is, what are your plans for this year? I know everyone says new year, new me, right? Is it the same <laughs> one in this year? Or are we look, are, are we going to see something exciting? Uh, am I able to get an exclusive on uh, what's going on in, in the one lifestyle? I, or is it is it going to be the same old, you know? It, it, it's not it's not much of an exclusive. I kind of detailed a little bit of this on my podcast, uh, you know, just sort of a plug for my podcast too, uh, SGGQA, course, yeah. Monday Morning yeah. Tech Chat Show. Um, the, um, the, the, the goal for me is to spend a little less time doing these bigger, longer sort of let me read the specs and tell you about the product kinds of reviews. And I'm really trying to slice up more lifestyle and daily practical use. So like if a phone is really, really focused on a specific kind of camera performance, I want to demonstrate that. And I'm a little less concerned that, oh, but you know, it also can play some games. Like I feel like if someone's going for a gaming phone, they've got different experiences than someone who's going for a productivity phone than someone who's going for a folding phone. And I don't think we need to keep pretending that all phones need to be all things to all people. And then the flip side is in trying to tackle more lifestyle conversations, I'm really trying to broaden out into more health, uh, mobility, and uh, sort of like disaster prep tech. So I've been talking about crate batteries that can power appliances in your home. We just had a, a really scary uh, 4.0 earthquake pretty close to our house last night. And I've got these big crate batteries that can power appliances. It can keep our fridge running for a whole day if we absolutely need that kind of functionality. So those, those more sort of lifestyle edges are, are really things that I want to dedicate a little more time and a little more bandwidth to. And then on top of that, I just love nerding out on audio. So, you know, definitely expect to see headphones and DACs and uh, earbuds and, and all kinds of just fun consuming, you know, nerdy, fun, audiophile kinds of gadgets too. So I, I, I'm really trying to keep this year a little more broad than, uh, than I think I have done in years past, which were a lot more phone focused. That's exciting. Uh, just branching out and being a little bit more. And we, we spoke about that before in the, in the little ramble before the podcast, just like doing something different yeah. it, it not being afraid to do it. it. It's not only good for maybe the channel or whatever. It's just good for the soul. You know, you need to do something exactly. different sometimes. So it's important. That's something I found totally. rather recently. Um, and also if you could, if you could, this is going to be a deeper one, but if you could have changed <laughs> anything along your career to this point, if you could have done something differently or if there was 
something that maybe you wanted to pursue but you thought nah maybe that's just not for me or not at this time what was it and why didn't you do it or why did you do it oh man that one's deep i have so many regrets <laughs> oh no oh that we could make a whole other podcast about this i be like that one could take a really long time i i think um so again from my intro at the very beginning of this where i condensed like almost 30 years of life into a couple minutes of description or a minute of description yeah um yeah. i've always wanted to try and push i talk a lot about phone cameras and audio recording and i do a lot of things like podcasting um you'll see that very practically i shoot most of my b-roll outside now from phones i don't even bother taking my nice cameras out i mean i'm really trying to live this stuff in a practical way so when i'm telling you you can shoot and edit and render a video all from your phone i'm doing that like I just did yeah, another little yeah. short and it was all short shot from the OnePlus 10 Pro. And it's not like the most amazing thing ever, but it's like, yeah, I set this up, I shot it, I trimmed it, I clipped it, I edited it, I rendered it, and then I uploaded it to YouTube all directly from this OnePlus 10 Pro. Um, I really wish I had taken more time while I was working in casting to kind of utilize some of those resources better to also look at sort of a, a higher level of production and performance. And I keep trying to look at what does that look like today? I, I'd like to do some sort of short form narrative or even just some some like funny gimmicky skits. You know, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to do sort of, I want to capture some of this stuff. And I also still want to hold true to this mission that you know, if you spent just a little bit more on a phone, you can be doing so much more with it. So maybe I capture this skit from a decent mid-ranger phone camera and I edit it and I do a little like color grading and I, I, I do the whole production literally from a pocket computer. And I, I keep like just about getting the nerve up to put a budget together and really do it well and really do it nice. And then life happens or I get cold feet or, you know, an actor backs out and they're like, oh no, but he was going to work for cheap. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> and everything like yeah, yeah. I get so close to actually pulling the trigger on it. And then I have to kind of walk it back. And, and I think that this year where I'm looking at lifestyle and sort of a broader conversation, some more vloggy content instead of everything being in my studio, I'm hoping that gives me just a little bit more self-confidence to try and revisit. You know, like w I've always wanted to shoot a horror short from a phone. I feel like the the grainy camera, the the poor low light performance, like this would look really cool in an eight millimeter film kind of way but I'm too scared to really do it. So now I need to just shut up and kick my own butt into gear and, and actually give it a try. I'm sure whatever you produce, it'll come out brilliant. Uh, you're a bit of a perfectionist <laughs> in that way from what I can see. So it will, uh, you'll, you'll excel. You just need to, like you said, just push yourself to uh, to do it and it will happen. Um, well, th that is very kind of you. Thank you. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for this, this podcast. It's been definitely uh, a hell of a ride and i, I want to thank you for your time because um you've clearly put a lot of thought into these answers and it's it, it's shown and it, it makes um it, it's just a nice feeling you know when people want to be here so i really appreciate that and i appreciate you for um also inspiring a lot of people you inspired me at least when i was starting uh in my career so it's uh pretty huge to be able to have you on the podcast and um yeah i will also make sure that i leave all the links to your podcast and your socials and everything you want in the the show notes as well well they, i really appreciate that and, and again it's it's I, you don't know just how um just, just how gratifying uh, how grateful i am that you know a few more of us nerds are kind of coming together like i wouldn't be in the position i am now in producing some of this content if a few sort of other content creators hadn't sort of given me a nudge when i was just starting to make content online and it's always the way that i i hope to be able to pay some of this stuff forward so i it really means a lot and and i really appreciate you know you letting me kind of come on and ramble for a bit but then also it's just I like having a good, healthy, nerdy club, you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that lunchroom table can feel really lonely. 
And I want people to know that like there's a seat at this table and we can all geek out and I'll bring my vampire cards and your D&D sheets and like, you know, our Game Boys and Nintendos and, and all of our wacky gadgets that everybody used to make fun of us for. Um, there, there's this table in the lunchroom and everyone's going to look at us funny because we're the nerds, but let's be the nerds and let's have some fun with it. So I, I always like to, to add another seat where I can. For sure. That's a really nice message to put out, I think. Um, is, is there any anything you want to uh, let the viewers or listeners know uh, and also where they can find you online before we uh, wrap this one up? I, I, I always end it, you know, any any kind of conversation, you know, I, I adore those people who try to be good tech neighbors and you will probably never get the the recommend the the recognition you deserve and so i'll be the one to say thank you for helping people around you for taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others and to be those good resources where sometimes this stuff can get really scary you know we were two years into a global pandemic and i was still fielding calls and emails from my family just like how to stay connected how to upgrade a computer how to replace their laptop this stuff comes easy to us. We, we enjoy it. We have fun with it. We have a superpower. And uh, if, if we're staying sort of healthy and we're continuing to have fun with this, then we can, we can kind of pass some of that energy along to other people. So, uh, you know, be safe out there because it's still pretty crazy. Um, and uh, hopefully you're, you're able to, to kind of manage some really tricky and, and sometimes ugly situations. Oh, and I'm uh, around the internet as some gadget guy. That's the least important part of this spiel. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Mastodon now, so find me on Mastodon. <laughs> all, link, all links to one will be in the show notes. What a fantastic message to end with. Thank you very much for coming on, my friend. And um, yeah, uh, we'll see you in the next podcast.